0: What about the gulag or goulash? Get the, it's very, am different, I, very am I different. Having goulash and the gulag. No, goulash bensinell means goulash with gasoline.
1: That's a very disgusting goulash.
0: Yes. But. Well, perhaps uh, an F1 driver could come out with a cookbook that would uh, fix all of those problems.
1: Maybe a Hungarian F1 driver,
0: or or a French one. <laughs>
1: I say, I say that because in preparation for today's uh, podcast, because I thought, well, I'll probably do something about a driver. Um, I looked up the Wikipedia page for Hungarian F1 drivers. Oh? It's blank. Oh. <laughs> so that's that.
0: <laughs> it's, you know, it's a small country.
1: Is it? It, it seems I'm, big enough to me. I'm from Ireland, man. We that's, got different. Yeah. And you got Eddie Jordan. That's, Jesus, he's too, yeah, you know, the Republic of Ireland people tend to, like, adopt the Northern Irish people who are good at things, and we tend to, like, get rid of the ones who aren't, so I'm going to say he's one of them. Okay. <laughs> he's not one of ours. Is that like, I think, I
0: think it was the Top Gear guys uh, who said, when an F1 driver does well, he's British, but when he doesn't, or when he wins a championship, he's British, and when he doesn't, he's Scottish.
1: Right, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, that is that is very much a a English way of doing things as well with, like, uh, with sports stars, yeah But So, like, Irish people would say, like, Rory McIlroy is like, he's from the, Repo- you know, he's one of us, he's one of us And, like, they'll say things like, oh, it's because he's Catholic, you know, he's like, he's really one of us He was just born north of the border <laughs> So it's like this very selective, subjective way of... Uh, Viewing nationalities, Hungary, uh, Hungary, even a <laughs> population <laughs> of nine point seven million. Okay, 88th most uh, populated country in the known universe. Well, uh, so no excuse then, Hungary. No, fucking get, get your better activity.
0: drivers. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Shift F One, a podcast about speed race cars. I am
1: Drew Scanlon. Also, sorry, I think you meant I Eddie Irvine, fire. not Eddie Jordan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just realized you we were talking about F One drivers.
0: Well, well, they're both.
1: They're both. Irish, right? Uh, Northern Irish, yeah. Same same problem. My yeah. argument still stands, probably. <laughs> He's Danny O'Dwyer. Danny, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Sorry I fucked up for your intro. No problem. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, looking forward to Grand Prix this week. Uh, I am going to be in Poland. Uh, not this weekend. Actually, now that I think about it, <laughs> I'm going to still be in America this weekend. Damn it. Uh, I'm going to be in Poland the following week, though, so it would have been a much better time to go see it then. Great. The land of F1. Uh, Poland? Uh, Europe. Europe. I guess, yeah The region, yes I'm going home to work The homeland of F1 F1 was born Yes Ireland Well, (laughs) did you find any other drivers to talk about? I sure did How do you feel about mustaches? Uh, Strongly in favor great, because uh, there is one driver who is synonymous with mustaches. Oh? Uh, who we rarely talk about anymore, kind of because he 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 only won one championship even though he was sort of in the mix for a long time. Well, you know, Magnum PI's been off the air for a long time, so. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but he actually won his only championship at the Hungara Ring, so I thought this is probably a good excuse to talk about. Nigel Mansell. Man, uh, if I ever think, there was a name Nigel Mansell. that sounded like it deserved a mustache, it's yes. Nigel Mansell he does sort of I think he's maybe Nigel Mansell CB he did uh, he does sort of sound like a fighter pilot or something hmm okay which is not that different really <laughs> from, from an F1 driver sure all things considered um, yeah Nigel Mansell uh, do you know much about Nigel Mansell at all no not not really so he would have been very known in, and still is very known in uh, the UK, uh, a lot because he was he won BBC Sports Personality of the Year, I believe, twice. Um, he also helps with broadcasting. Is that a big deal? Yeah, BBC Sports Personality of the Year is, like, a big award show every year, and it, whoever wins it always gets, like, a, you know, it's, it's like, on the front of the papers and all that okay. sort of stuff. because we've, we've got the ESPYs, and no one watches right. the ESPYs. Okay, so it would be the equivalent, except, like, people kind of care about the, the sports personality of the year. Okay. Um, it's such a weird way of phrasing that as well, sports personality. It's, like... It's like sports entertainment for wrestling. Yeah, you know those those end of the year wrap up uh, gigs. You gotta
0: you gotta make them broad,
1: (laughs) right? Um, so yeah, he's a, uh, he, he would be very famous and, you know, synonymous with F1. Certainly when I was growing up, he was one of the most famous Formula One drivers. Um, he's he, definitely one of those names it. that you just hear all the time. Yeah, for sure. And before Lewis Hamilton, he was the most successful, um, uh, F1 driver from Britain. So he, you know, over the course of those years, he, he had a long career and he, he did very well. Um, sort of like a, a, a dogged sort of fearless driver, um, very confident, um, you know, an element of the sort of Lewis Hamilton's in him being quite, um, uh, aggressive, uh, uh, and also maybe stubborn as well, I'd say, uh, but fantastic natural ability as well and and very uh, brave, I would say, yeah, I, I, that I would consider. Um, uh, he had a long career, so I'm going to try and get as much stuff in there as possible without being overly exhaustive, so apologies if I skip over some of his stuff. Um, he was born in 1953 on the 8th of August in Upton-upon-Severn in Worcestershire, which is perhaps the most... England-named place in the history of the world. <laughs> um, he had a relatively slow start to his racing career. He uh, did quite well in kart racing, um, but essentially the like early part of his career was spent him he's sort of working and using his own money to get himself up the ranks. Uh, he eventually moved into Formula Ford Series in 1976. Yeah, he entered nine races he could afford to, uh, won six of them, including his first ever race, which is pretty impressive. Wow, yeah. Uh, He was working at the time as a job as an aerospace engineer, so I guess that just lends more credence to the idea that he looks and sounds like a fighter pilot. (laughs) Um, But he ended up leaving that after that sort of um, maiden journey into competitive racing. Uh, He sold all his belongings uh, to fund his his venture into Formula Ford. Oh, that's Uh, awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. And did really well that season. He actually, though, almost you know stopped his career before it started he had a really bad crash at brand's hatch and um, and broke his neck uh, the, the doctor said that he'd be in traction for six months and would never race ever again uh, and true to form he discharged himself after a couple of weeks uh, returned to racing uh, entered 42 races that year uh won thirty-three of them and won the formula Four championship in 1977 wow. um so pretty stubborn pretty dogged and a lot of uh, natural ability um He raced in Formula 3 then for a couple of years, 78 until 1980, and then he was sort of noticed by Colin Chapman, who was the owner of Lotus... Um, who died not too shortly after that. But Colin and, and Nigel had a very sort of um, a strong bond, like almost father and son kind of uh, relationship in those those early years. And he sort of shepherded him into F1 um, uh, and got him got him into the Lotus team. He didn't have a seat for a couple of years. I think it was Mario Andretti when he retired in 81, sort of there was an open seat and they decided not to bring anyone else in. Um, and Mansell raced, but was always sort of like a number three, number two, driver there. Um, He felt like he wasn't earning enough money as well. In fact, there's a really good anecdote uh, where during the 1982 season, uh, he planned to do the 24-hour of Le Mans, uh, mostly so he could get extra money. Um, He was paid about 50,000 sterling a year at the time and was offered an extra 10,000 by an outside party to take part in Le Mans. Um, Chapman sort of thought that Entering Le Mans was maybe a little bit dangerous for him, uh, and you know a little bit overly risky. So he paid him ten thousand dollars to not take part in <laughs> Le Mans, <laughs> uh, which is pretty great. Um, and then subsequently, he extended Mansell's contract uh, at the end of that year to 1984. Um, uh, and uh, sorry, at the end of that season in 1984, and and made him a, a deal that essentially made Mansell a millionaire. So he he got round to him in the end. Uh, like I said, Chapman eventually um, passed away um, a couple of years later, and uh, I I think that was sort of the end of mansell's love affair with lotus peter war came in who was the new uh, race director for for quite a while uh, or team principal i should say rather um he got in the top 10 in 1984 but his relationship with peter war over the years never really worked out so he left uh, to go to williams in 85 Uh, uh, there was a famous quote war said uh, when mansell left saying uh, he'll never win a grand prix as long as i have a hole in my arse (laughs) so (laughs) that was the sort of relationship he enjoyed there um (laughs) He was at Williams for a couple of years. That was kind of, uh, I feel like, the heyday back when you know people. He got his Red Five moniker, which was the the number five uh, sort of you know oblique Star Wars reference that people remember. Murray Walker shouting over the the, the uh, radio waves as he was, uh, or over the TV waves as he was, sort of having his ascendancy. Uh, Frank Williams hired him, and Mansell uh, had a really good first year alongside KK Rosberg, who he got along really well with. Um, Nelson Piquet, not so much, who was his teammate for the rest of his time there. Um, and in fact they were sort of like head to heads to win the 87 um, uh, championship around the time where Williams had that active suspension thing which was basically allowing them to, to you know win races hand over fist and um, in the end, PK won it because maybe not because, but due in part to Mansell having a really bad crash at Suzuka in qualifying, uh, which kept him out of basically the rest of the championship. Um, PK won it, uh, and, and then uh, I think he had maybe I think I think PK won without winning like any of the last five races or something. He just picked enough points up to do it, um, and they never really got along. And in the end. He left Williams, uh, a team he would return to uh, uh, and eventually win a championship with. But he had a sort of a a couple of two years um, period with Ferrari. He was the last driver that Enzo ever signed personally before passing away himself. Um, And he was at Ferrari for a little while there. Like I said, two seasons. Uh, Never again really got on so well. I remember he had another bad crash, which meant that he never got to race in uh, Italy, so that, that was always known as like a sort of a bad omen if he never got to drive in front of the Tafosi. So he ended up actually leaving at the end of that season. Uh, back To go back to Williams, uh, uh, there were some long protracted contract negotiations because I believe he really wanted to cement himself as a number one driver, which is something he never really had. Uh, sort of absolutely at any team. Um, and under impossible conditions according to, to um, the Williams folks, Frank Williams uh, he did actually join uh, Williams and then raced there for two years he came f- uh, second in 1991 uh, and then 1992 was essentially the career where he sort of like immortalised himself. Um, he started the year with five straight victories uh, which wasn't equaled until Shoe Me in 2004. Um, he became the most successful British driver of all time when he won the British Grand Prix at Silverstone uh, he surpassed Jackie Stewart's record of 27 wins with his 28 there too uh, he was crowned championship, uh, champion that year uh, the earliest ever at the Hungaro ring the 11th round of that season um, which is pretty impressive granted the seasons were shorter so that also uh, played played a part um, Still he set the then record of the most uh, number one wins in the season nine uh, both records stood until uh, they were broken by Schumacher in 2002 he managed 14 pole positions that year uh, Vettel broke that in 2011 and um, uh, uh, at the Brazilian Grand Prix uh, that year he also held the record for the most uh, races before uh, becoming world champion with 180 races which wow. is pretty crazy uh, Re- Nico Rosberg though also broke that last year with 206 <laughs> races um, a couple of other Formula 1 records that he actually still currently holds is uh, the highest percentage of pole positions in a season 88% we talked about that I think a couple of months back uh, most wins from pole position in a season 9 Uh, most runner-up championship finishes before winning the championship, three. Um, The record for obtaining the most pole positions and scoring the fastest lap and subsequently retiring from the race. Um, And uh, that, I think, is basically it. He had 191 entries, 187 starts, that one championship, 31 wins, 59 podiums, 48, uh, sorry, 480 career points, 32 pole positions and 30 fastest laps. He retired, After winning the 1992 championship, he shaved the moustache, entered Karsh, and won his first season there, too. (laughs) Wow. So quite the... Quite the uh, prolific driver. He's still around. You can see him on uh, Sky doing some analysis. I think it's Sky. Maybe it was Channel 4. I forget. He's he's around somewhere doing it. Um, you, if you're not too familiar with him, you might struggle to recognize him a bit because of uh, the lack of mustache. <laughs> um, I think he worked as a police officer as well for a number of years. He kind of lives on the, uh, on the Channel Islands. Um, he lived on the Isle of Man during his F1 career. Um, and both his sons race as well. Uh, his daughter uh, doesn't. She's a, a designer of some such. Uh, but yeah, pretty prolific dude. Uh, entered the Car as well. I think he came second. He never won it, though.
0: Wow. Yeah. Mm.
1: That guy is good at driving cars. Sure is, yeah. Can you, can you imagine
0: being pulled over by Nigel Mansell for speeding? <laughs> right. For speeding, right. Yeah, totally. I think Sorry, thought. Wait a second!
1: He also broke the record for... I think it was... I think he broke the F1 speed record... And I think he might have crashed doing it. Oh, I forget. There's some. There's some story about him breaking the record for speed at one stage, and then ending up in traction or something. He's a yeah, a lot of stories about about uh, about Nigel Mansell. Yeah, and all
0: the crashes he's gotten into.
1: Yeah, super. You know, I I didn't even mention other, some other ones. He had some. I think the crash where that year he was at Ferrari he broke his neck again. Jeez. Yeah, just a. I crazy
0: mean, dude. back when he started in the in the. 70s, I guess. Although he, when did he enter F one? Not until, uh,
1: so yeah, it was early 70s. 70. Let me look it up again. Anyway, that was <laughs> that was
0: back in the the dark ages. Right. It um, was
1: 81. Sorry, was when he.
0: Right, but he yeah. was he was raising Formula Fords and F3 yeah, three mid 70s. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. All right. Well. Great. Thanks no worries um, let's talk about the Hungaro ring itself Danny sure
1: ermagird uh, the Hungarian ring it's the term of your again for the Hungary <laughs> ring uh, waxed lyrical on previous years about how much of a sort of coup this was for Bernie to get the uh, the Hungarian Grand Prix. He wanted to get one in Russia so he could have his uh, first F1 behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, that never sort of came to pass, but he did get the Hungar- Hungarian Grand Prix set up in 86. Um, it's been there, I think, ever since at the Hungara Ring. I'm pretty sure they built it just for it. Um, it's uh, an interesting circuit. It's, I guess uh this will be it's <laughs> I guess. like yeah i don't know it's like hungarian is like a difficult one to sort of like i i like the circuit it's it's a weird one it's like a very nondescript uh circuit in terms of its uh, layout but it always tends to bring out some pretty interesting uh races it's kind of like china in that respect where it's like i find it hard to give this place and i to give this track an identity. But the races you get from it um, are always pretty interesting. Uh, the things that sort of stick out to me is is the fact that it starts quite high and then it, it sort of barrels downward um, in the first section and then pulls all the way back up again from a hill, which fr- when you're watching on television doesn't look like it's that much, but if you look at photographs of the event from the, from the stands and stuff, um, it's actually pretty, it's, al- it's almost like they drive down into a bowl and then pop back up again. Uh, it's kind of only really got one straight, the start-finish straight, and it's not really that long either. It, it, they do have a straight between turns three and four, which is in that sort of bowl area I was talking about. Um, and turn four has taken a quite a uh, 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 high speed. It's got a relatively f- uh, fat runoff area on the on the right-hand side, but it's not really like a traditional... Straight, I wouldn't say, um, and neither is the other, only other straight part between eleven and twelve, uh, which finishes with uh, essentially a completely ninety degree turn before this sort of weird corkscrew turn up into the pits or back onto the straight. Most of the actual overtaking happens around the turn four, five, six points. There's a, a f- the, the first sort of section of the of the track is. V- High speed, I would say, After once you get past turn one and and you unleash after turn two, you're into a high speed section, which basically comes to a complete halt at turn six, because it's almost like a chicane. It's a really fast left, or really quick left right-hander. Um, and around there, I think it's one of these tracks where you just tend to find people looking at different parts of the track for grip. It's quite wide. It's it's not it's like the opposite of a track like Monaco where really there's only one way to drive these turns. This is one where you can really decide to go wide on one turn and just get tighter in the next one, uh, and vice versa. And that sort of allows for overtaking to happen all over the place. Um, it reminds me of a track that like this is one that Max Verstappen would like quite a lot. Kind of like the A one Ring where there's there's a lot of. Um, uh, space on the track to sort of find areas to, to squeeze up into uh thinking about it in terms of weather and whatnot to me this always comes across as one that's quite hot um i think there's been a couple of rain races but generally you tend to get i mean it's kind of a little bit baltic you tend to get like uh, quite hot races down there at this time of year um but maybe we'll see a bit, a bit of rain and whatnot you've probably got more details on that than than i have i do indeed uh, yeah what What does it say
0: so for qualifying it looks to be sunny in the high 70s or high 20s if you're celsius uh with 50 50 dec- uh, humidity right. and a light wind mm. uh, race day pretty much the same maybe a little hotter uh and some clouds and a very very slight chance of precipitation toward the end of the race but uh, right.
1: yeah boy max would love that yeah for sure we're we'll probably not one to bank on it's a big enough uh um track where you could if it did rain you could probably get rain on one end and not the other but it tends not to happen there it's quite a yeah heady sort of time of year i think muggy muggy i'd say
0: all right well um let's get into tire town what do you say i uh, take me down to
1: the t- tire town city mm-hmm. where the where the where we've got soft, medium softs and super softs available but the uh, softs are soft and the hards are soft <laughs> yep uh nobody
0: wants the medium tires it seems okay. every single driver <laughs> this weekend is taking only one medium set
1: wow really yeah just and, just uh, so, just so they don't feel embarrassed right just yeah. to not hurt wow. mediums feelings <laughs> uh and the
0: rest of it looks pretty even as well uh, two to three sets of softs and nine to ten sets of super softs. Everyone pretty much the same, except for the Haas boys who are taking four sets of soft and eight sets of super soft. So a little, a little more balanced there. <clears throat> uh, but let us jump from uh, t- Tire Town into News mm-hmm. Newsville. New- there you go. Let's do it. Uh, damage. Uh, damage to the tire. Uh, was determined to cause Räikkönen's tire failure, says Pirelli. Right, this from F1 fanatic. Uh, you <laughs> viewers of the British Grand Prix will recall, I hope, <laughs> uh, the exploding tires that happened at the end of that race. Uh, Pirelli said in a statement, "The results of the analysis on Ferrari driver Kimi Räikkönen's front left soft compound tire, which experienced an issue at the end of the recent British Grand Prix." Uh, reveals specific damage in two places at the edge of the belt close to the internal shoulder area Mm. Um, damage is not present throughout any other areas of the tire whatsoever so uh, I guess that means that it wasn't a problem with wear it was like a specific thing that caused it Um, they didn't specify what caused the damage but it's uh, odd to me that both the Ferraris had the same problem uh, on the same tire right yeah for sure and not to my knowledge have they issued anything about Sebastian Vettel's car. So, hmm. question mark, question mark, question mark.
1: I have um, I have no ending of question marks when it comes to tires. Yeah. I feel like I feel like my relationship with tires in F one is like a never ending procession of question marks. Yeah, where like it, it, the more I learn about tires, the more weird shit happens with them that no one expected. That then I have to like reset my brain about tires.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a dark art, as yeah, dark as the right. rubber. Uh, speaking of press releases the fia issued one uh that just says why halo is the best solution okay uh if you'll recall from last week the fia has deemed that all cars will use the halo head protection system in the 2018 season uh from then on so this (laughs) no one seems to like the halo uh, but it is here to stay, apparently, for the next year or so. Mm. Um, and they, this—I uh, mean, it's—they've—they've got to issue something. It just seems very um, defensive to me. I'll, I'll read a bit from here. Uh, feedback from extensive tra- track testing revealed that visibility was su- substantially unaffected, and there was no significant visual obstruction due to the central strut. Track testing also revealed no issues regarding egress from the cockpit and multiple extraction tests. Uh, ex extriction tests. Ex- it, this says extriction. I'm I, I don't
1: know. Huh. Press release. Get a sub editor.
0: Maybe maybe that's a word. Maybe it's one of those words that just never no human ever uses. It right. only gets it's used. Right, it's an press engineering words.
1: word, and we're like we're mere humans who don't understand.
0: Yeah. Uh, with a
1: resi- revised procedure formulated
0: to ensure it's safe extraction, so mm-hmm. they're like, hey, it's safe, and I mean. You can call it. They, actually, the BBC has a really good um, a breakdown. It's called uh, "Is F1's new head protection system an overreaction or essential?" Um, which, if you if you really want to read it, I, I recommend. Uh, I will link that in the show notes. But I mean, this is. It's clearly an overreaction, or it's it's clearly a knee jerk reaction. Uh, to some very specific things that happened. But the FIA is the one that kind of has to make these knee-jerk reactions. Right. Um, I I don't like the look of it. Uh, I'm not against head protection in general. It's a shame that the the, the visor didn't work. Uh, I thought that one looked kind of cool.
1: Um, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's weird. <sighs> like, so much of this has to do with the image of it, right? Like, nobody cares about the the safety aspect i don't think that's come into question at all but it is strange how um i guess like this has more to do with them trying to make the cars not look cool um in a way maybe they can make them look even cooler with this stuff you know like futurize them in a way that sort of separates them from the past but i don't know like i'm i'm really it seems like they're just like uh stumbling into this because they have to rather than being like super confident that like this is our new vision this is our new identity and this is how we're going to do it do it in a way i wonder if liberty have have sort of like taken the baton up that's been passed to them and they're kind of stuck with it maybe
0: yeah Mm. yeah i I imagine we'll see this next year it and then in 2019 it will either look drastically different or be completely gone right uh speaking of uh the past um f1 fanatic had uh a a tweet in uh, one of their news roundups from Sutton Images, uh, which is a photographer place, company. Mm. I don't know what you call that. Anyway, uh, it says the tweet from them says the shield or cockpit protection device was tested by McLaren at Silverstone in June 1985. Wow. Uh, really? But, yeah. But they, oh. And they have some pictures here, which I will link. Oh, my gosh. Um, but they... Here, I'll, I'll send it to you. Mm. Um, but they also say in the tweet that they don't know if it was for safety... Or if it was an aerodynamic device, test right. So Alan, Elaine, uh, Alan, how do you Alan pronounce? Proxt, Prost? Okay, yeah. Alan Prost responded on Twitter, said, "Oh yeah, that was an aerodynamic device, an idea <laughs> from John Bernard, but the visibility was very bad, too much deformation." That's uh, crazy.
1: Which is what um, Vettel was sort of saying as well. That, that yeah. it, there was this weird bending happening.
0: It's it's weird. Like there's it's it looks like uh, the 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 shield that. Um, they tried on this year's F1 cars, but there's like a slit in the shield. Yeah. So it's kind of a cross between the shield and the halo.
1: Right. So that your eyes can look through non-deformed. Yeah, there's a great um, uh, reply from um, Motor Car Diaries in that uh, Twitter thread um, with a picture of Frank Huston's, uh Protus F2 car from 67, which also oh, wow. has one on it. Yeah. Even further back. It's the same idea, right it's like a it's like a a glass pod but with a hole where you'd look out almost yeah, but like so much of driving is peripheral vision, so I'm not really sure how much that hole really helps that's crazy
0: yeah it's interesting that both of um the the eighty five and the sixty seven cars were doing that for aerodynamic reasons, right you know, and like not even thinking about the safety concern yeah interesting yeah i I wonder if you kind of started from scratch with an f one car and then built in this, you know, the aerodynamic Lexan into it, if you could alleviate some of those problems and kind of solve all of them.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if, you know, because they are so restricted in how to design the cars. Yeah. So. hmm. 2020, maybe. Yeah.
0: Speaking of the future of racing series.
1: This from oh, motorsport.com. God. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to go race around the world there. Oh, no. I was like, I put on my heels. <laughs> sorry. Continue. Uh,
0: motorsport.com says, <clears throat> Mercedes to quit DTM after 2018 oh. confirms Formula E entry. Oh, my God. Yeah. Huh. So, I'm sorry, but we... we We're just not DTM GTM. anymore.
1: We're not, we are so not DTM. <laughs>
0: But we are very Formula E.
1: We're looking for an electric trail. (laughs) Plug me in, yeah? Wow. Uh, (laughs) The agreement
0: signed by Mercedes and Formula E Holdings late last year was originally for season five, uh, but the German auto giant will instead make its debut in season six, which is Hmm. Um, 2019-2020. Mercedes motorsport boss, toto wolf says our year in the Are years in the dtm i'm sorry <clears> our <throat> years in the dtm will always be held high as a major chapter in motorsport history of mercedes that's weird I, I wonder yeah. if they're just not getting any return on i mean yeah, you've got an yeah. f1 car development program why why would you like if you've got that as like your your tip of the r&d spear mm. Maybe DTM is just like, well, we don't really need this, especially right. when DTM is not, it's certainly not as electric as Formula E. So you've got oh, yeah. extreme performance and now electricity in between doesn't really make any sense for such a, a big company. So,
1: maybe, yeah, yeah. And I right. wonder if there's any element of the fact that there's so much more visibility around Formula E now, like, and and you can tell, like, there's that momentum happening. Like, who knows where it's going to be in two or three years? But you know, right now there's a lot of like there's a lot of buzz around these electric cars right now, Drew. Mm. Um and I wonder. Nice. Uh, I, I wonder I, wa- I wonder if it's a if it's half that and it's half what you're talking about that like in terms of R and D, there's probably a lot more unbroken ground happening over there. Yeah. Mm. Have they said anything else about it? About, about, about what? why? About why about why? Um
0: yeah. yeah, there's some there's some more quotes in here. Uh see what else was mr said? i didn't know total wolf extended past right formula one yeah in motorsport like in every other area we want to be the benchmark in the premium segment and to explore innovative new projects the combination of formula one and formula e delivers that Mm. formula e is like an exciting startup venture it offers a brand new format combining racing with a strong event character in order to promote current and future technologies Electrification is happening uh, in the road car world, and Formula E offers manufacturers an interesting platform to bring this technology to a new audience and to do so with a completely new kind of racing different to any other series. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure DTM will be sad to see them go because they're kind of, um, you know, a mainstay with Audi and BMW that's like a third of your
1: entire thing gone yeah i wonder what happens over there then do they try and fill that stuff back in again do they restructure the the format a bit
0: yeah tough one Mm -hmm. i mean the same thing kind of happened with um the uh uh, world endurance championship when oh man who was it porsche pulled out right because now it's only audi and toyota Mm. but yeah that seems to be still going strong who knows i don't know i didn't really follow dtm all that closely i watched a few races but i'm more about uh super gt and mr orange jacket right when it comes to gt cars
1: speaking of jackets i saw a guy i was in sf yesterday afternoon oh frisco by the yeah you know, yeah yeah i was in san fran yeah mm-hmm. um, by the twitch offices uh, i saw a guy with a, a, a rossi shirt on he just had like the doctor plaster across nice. his back um, and we oh, in mario this- party font yeah, exactly. Yeah, in the Mario Party font, um, and I think it was on the phone or something. And I was laughing, and I turned to him and I said, "Rossi," yeah? and he was like, "What?" <laughs> and I went, "Rossi," and pointed at his shirt, and he was like, "Yeah, the best." <laughs> I think he was Italian or something. Wow,
0: was great. For, like forgot he was wearing the shirt. It's, for a yeah, totally. I think he was like, "What are you? What are you talking to me about?" You <laughs> pasty dude, <laughs> you don't know who accent. And- <laughs> wow, uh, not Alexander Rossi. Very different Rossi. Mm. Uh, yeah anyway uh, yeah so not too much news the, the last thing here I have is a, an interview from interview magazine which I didn't know was wow what do they do I think uh, actually they pick two famous people and have them interview uh, each other oh that's good I so like that. Serena Williams It's a really cost effective <laughs> way of running an interview it really magazine. is don't, you don't employ have... anyone yeah I should, I should. Uh, Serena Williams interviewed Lewis Hamilton, which oh cool. It's kind of a great idea because y- you not only does you know the one superstar athlete know what to ask another superstar athlete, right. But I think you can probably elicit better responses because they're talking to like-minded people.
1: Totally, and like they'd have a lot of shared experience when it comes to being a athlete in a predominantly a black athlete in a predominantly white sport. Yes like that's that's a pretty interesting like conversation to be a fly on the wall of i imagine yeah so so she asks a lot of those kinds of questions mm. um
0: uh and uh, i recommend everyone check it out i'll i'll, yeah. I'll pick some choice some, cuts uh, some choice cuts here ooh. ooh uh do you feel like now you're expected to win every time Hamilton says, I feel like people are expecting me to fail. Therefore, I expect myself to win. Just like you. Everyone knows how good you are, and they're just waiting for you to fall. And Serena says, I actually just wrote that one down. That was really inspiring. Uh, What part does winning play in your life? Hamilton says, I thought this was interesting. It used to be the be-all and end-all. You know how it is. You've trained. You've made the mistakes before. You know how not to do it. And then you do it again, and you fail in such a spectacular way. The fall feels like it's never-ending. It used to take me days to recover, literally. Literally. One time, I didn't leave my hotel room for four days, so I was so stuck in my head. But now, with maturity and age, I've realized that winning isn't everything. It's very much about the journey, particularly in my sport. There are so many people on my team, and I've got to be conscious of them. So while winning is definitely the ultimate goal, the lessons learned when I don't win only strengthen me. Mm. Uh, And she asks, that was my next question. Does losing actually make you better? Hamilton says, I hate losing. It doesn't matter if it's racing or playing ping pong. I hate it. You're either first (laughs) or you're last. And they both laugh and say, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) that's (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's <crazy>. great <laughs> yeah I, I will link that yeah. as well it's it's a it's great video. oh i definitely re- read that that's wonderful it, it's it's all text is it
0: it is text yeah cool
1: all right i'll check that out that's you it. know I, I it's
0: it's tough for me to get a read on hamilton sometimes he just i don't know if stoic's the right word or reserved he's just
1: guarded maybe can't say i blame him like no he says certainly not. jump on you know it's like you do you man
0: Yeah, so that that is one of those rare instances where you kind of get to see or hear a little more about uh, what goes on in Lewis Hampton's mind. He's an interesting Mm -hmm. dude. Yeah. All right, Danny, now it's time to race around the... Race around the... The World Rally Championship is in... Oh, boy. Do it. Do it. Finland. Yep. For the for the Nesty Nesty Nestle, I'm going with Nesty Rally Finland. Okay, Australian Supercars. The Australian Supercars. Fucking right. fucking right. great. Let's grab some tinnies mate. <laughs> well, they're at the Queensland Raceway. It's probably Queensland, in uh, Willowbank, Queensland, Australia, for the Coates Hire Ipswich Super
1: Sprint. It's gonna be super. Super. Give a balmy out of time.
0: The British Touring Car Championship, the, the British Touring Car Championship, yes. is at the Snetterton Circuit in Norwich, Norfolk, oh, United Snetterton Kingdom. it's a
1: very good track up in Norwich. Yes,
0: and they're having yeah. the 16th, 17th, and 18th mm. rounds there.
1: Yes, quite, mm. yeah, yes, quite.
0: And across the pond... <laughs> Caribbean <Island>. World Truck! <laughs> they're at the Pocono Raceway, a.k.a. the Tricky Triangle.
1: Oh, it's so tricky.
0: In Long Pond, Pennsylvania for the Pocono 150.
1: I'm a... I don't know. No, I'm not going to go. <laughs> Nothing? Okay, keep going.
0: <laughs> Candy cars at the Mid-Ohio sports car course in Lexington, Ohio for the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. Mid-Ohio. Yes, not Ohio's top big, or bottom.
1: No, it's a big state.
0: Yeah, they it's they nice. use Dota lingo for different parts of their state. <laughs>
1: That's solo Mid-Ohio. Uh,
0: Mary's from Bot. (laughs) Uh, The NHRA is at Sonoma Raceway in Sonoma, CA, for the Toyota Sonoma Nationals. I have actually been to this event. Oh, I'd love to go. Why am I out of the country? It is the loudest thing I have ever
1: heard in my life. Yes.
0: No contest. And you you
1: fly planes.
0: I do, yes. (laughs) And Danny. Yes, you? NASCAR. Oh, my God. He is also at the Pocono Raceway, a.k.a. The tricky triangle, in Long Pong, PA. Long
1: Pong, the longest pond.
0: For the Overton's four hundred. Overton's. I know we already had an Overton's race, but that was the three hundred one, and this is the four hundred. They're totally different.
1: They're to, what's a whole overtone? Is a harm harmonic series of a partial wave of a construct. <laughs> That's what it says on Google. What the fuck is overtones? O- Overton's. I yeah. looked
0: this up last time. I can't remember. It is probably like a.
1: How do you farming spell supply tour. Over over,
0: over T O N apostrophe S. Oh, Overton. Overton's. It's owned by the Overtons. Overtons is a Oh, that's right. It's a water sports place.
1: Launching oh. white life in the water since 1976. Well, they are at long ponds so that that counts. There you go. Oh my god, there's some sort of they sell some sort of pad that makes children Jesus. I'm I'm sorry? They can walk on water. <laughs> you need to send me a link to that but it's like some sort of like i don't think it's a pontoon it looks like a it looks like a a pad that you stand on i'm going to send it to you right now i want one of these do you is it like what oh right huh super summer savings on whatever the fuck that (laughs) mystical piece of equipment is Well, how much is it i don't know are we sponsored by them no (laughs) 450 bucks I mean, it it allows you to. Oh god, it is. It's called the Overton Splash Pad, mm. and these kids look like they're standing on it. But I wonder if like that was the one frame where they were still standing on it.
0: <laughs> right. They all just hopped on it for a second and I'm sank. I'm sending into you a water. link
1: of a video of some children playing with this. I urge you to put it in the show notes for Okay, me. I will. Okay, good. Thank you. It's my contribution. Yes.
0: This is way too high quality. That's a GoPro footage. Okay.
1: Ah, uh, you know. This, this seems like a really good way of making sure your children end up out at sea. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Also, you know. <laughs> look, there's like three children hauling this gigantic roll of foam. Yeah. Can you imagine what it's like pulling this out of the water once it's like covered in water? Like, uh, I paid wow. 500 bucks for this thing. Amazing. This video has 35,000 views. Hey, man, it's only got 12 likes, so we know where those views came from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on.
0: <laughs> it is Formula E's final weekend of the 2016-2017 season with another double header, this time on the streets of
1: Montreal. Montreal. Canada. Oh, Canada.
0: Yeah, that one. <laughs> um Also... Formula 2 is supporting Formula 1 in the Hungaroring. Ring. Race number 1 is on Saturday. Race number 2 is on Sunday. I don't have any times for you because they don't seem to be airing on the NBC Sports Network app, but maybe they just mm. haven't updated it yet. And then finally, Formula 1 Free Practice 1 starts Friday, July 28th at 1 a.m. You can watch that on the NBC Sports Network app, followed by Free Practice 2 at 5 a.m. on NBC Sports Network. Hmm. Free practice three is Saturday, July 29th at 2 a.m. on the app, followed Jeez. by qualifying at 5 a.m. on NBC Sports oh, Network. What time's the race on, Drewness? Race day, Sunday, July 30th, Danny, 5 a.m.
1: My goodness.
0: Good morning, NBC yeah. Sports Network. Too right. Uh, let's take a quick look here at driver standings. Let's do it. Special Vettel is on top with 177. Lewis Hamilton right behind with 176. Valtteri Botas 154. Danny Ricardo in fourth place with 117. <clears throat> Master Chief, what's up? Uh, Kimi Rokin <laughs> in fifth place with 98. Verstappen's got 57. Perez has 52. two. Uh, has got 43. Signs has 29. Holkenberg rounds out the top 10 with 26. Behind him is Massa with 23. Stroll and Grosjean with 18. Uh, Kevin Magnussen with 11. Veriline with five, Kvyat with four, Alonzo with two, Palmer, Erickson, Van Dorn, and Antonio Giovinazzi and, at and, zero. And, 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 and? thanks to Fink, a.k.a. Son of Fink, <laughs> who says, you know, if you're going to list Antonio Giovinazzi with zero points in two races, you should really list Jensen Button with zero points. <laughs> nice work.
1: <laughs> Although... Good point. Why do not... Why does the F1 website not then?
0: Well, Erwin, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Colonel... Chocomel. Uh, okay. Replies and says maybe that's because he didn't finish the race.
1: He <laughs> gets 0 points. Are we saying that a DNF is worth even less than 0 points? Is that That's like a real insult to injury situation. No kidding. Oh my god. Yeah, what was that maybe. person's name? Colonel Chocomel? Yes. They're like the colonel of Chocobos and caramel. Hmm, that sounds that's delicious. It's amazing. Uh, Very fair. That's a it's a feathers and tar situation the well. Gross.
0: Uh, teams. Mercedes is on top with 330, followed by Ferrari with 275. Mm. Red Bull's got 174 in a distant third, and further behind them, Force India's got 95. Uh, Williams is in fifth place with 41. Toro Rosso's got 33. Haas has 29. Renault's got 26. Sauber's got five, and McLaren has two. Better than mm. zero. Emails. Emails. Danny, you can email us kind of, at f1.cool <laughs> slash emails. There's a form there you can fill out. Internet forums. Uh, this comes in from Megan. Well, Hi, Megan. guys. Hey, what up? <clears throat> Great to hear you both this last week. You mentioned Rosemary Smith, who is the oldest person to drive an F1 car, yeah. but passed her off as some woman who did rallies in the 60s. I... I don't know if we passed her off. We said she did rallies in the 60s. Uh, But Megan says you might want to give her a second look. She did rise in the 60s, winning worms divisions. Done what that is. And overall races and has continued to race. In 2015, she withdrew from a rally because she started with a broken collarbone and with no power steering in the car, driving was a little rough. (laughs) Megan also links an article to uh, independent.ie. Yeah. Are you familiar?
1: I sure am. My dad got the Indo every day of the week for years. And now nice. he's on some awful rag, which I don't talk to him about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll link this in the show notes, but uh, here's an excerpt. Uh, rallies abounded in the 1960s and 70s. There was a London Sydney Marathon, a rally during which contestants clocked up to 7,000 miles traveling oh through God. 11 countries, including Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. In those days, there was very little support. Dirt roads were common, and accidents and breakdowns happened regularly. The cars were dreadful, Rosemary says. Quote, we were basically test drivers for the manufacturers. Oh, God. I used to wear false eyelashes. When I was feeling tired, the eyelashes would droop. And once I saw those little fringes, it would wake me up. Wow. In 1965, Rosemary stunned the motoring world by beating not just the other women's teams, but the men's as well, to win Holland's famous tulip rally in her Hillman Imp. Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, who were staying in the same hotel, sent Rosemary a huge bouquet and a lovely letter to congratulate her
1: Uh, regarding the broken collarbone. Is amazing. What? Look up a Hellman imp. Okay. Oh my god! I want one of these cars. Oh man! Yeah. (laughs) It's like the most aggressively like sixties little. I don't even know what you call it. It's not it, a. Hatchback, it
0: looks kind of like on. a mini, but it like more like it's going to fall apart.
1: It looks like you know if you asked a child to draw a car, <laughs> what what <laughs> they come up with? It looks yeah. amazing. Oh my god! You see the one that's there's one that's uh, on Google Images that looks like a police car. It's been yeah. painted. It looks unbelievable. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, regarding the bro- bro- broken, collarbone. She says, quote, I tripped over some bedclothes in my hotel when I was attending a function in the UK earlier this year. When I oh, came wow. home, I had an x-ray. Yeah, it wasn't even from driving. It was from tripping over clothes. Uh, I had an x-ray. They said my collarbone was broken and put my arm in a sling. But when I discovered I couldn't drive with a sling for insurance reasons, I took it off. <laughs> well, so yeah, hard ask. this is like one of the coolest people in the world amazing i will link to that article for more info on rosemary smith and if you if you didn't hear last episode uh she renault invited her to drive their formula one car <laughs> she right. did god that's rad yeah. thanks for the info yeah thanks megan next email comes in from aaron dear shift f1 my brother-in-law won a prize to go to the monza gp in september which is wow. awesome prize uh me being the, the lucky schmuck that i am Monza gp <laughs> What's that? The last ever Monza GP. <laughs> Every year. Uh, I got invited for the ride, meaning that next September I will be going to my very first GP weekend. Wow! And if this wasn't enough, part of the prize is to meet and greet with noted F1 legend Mika Hakkinen. <sighs> I'm great. honestly flabbergasted as to what to ask Mika and figured Shift F1 might prove more than helpful with, my, with regards to my predicament. If you had the opportunity to ask Mika any questions whatsoever, what would they be? I'd be happy to relay the answers in a follow-up email, should you wish. Sincerely, Aaron.
1: Wow. What do you got, Danny? Um, didn't he have that really bad crash at Monza? I think... I think... I might be wrong. Was that the... In 99? I forget. Um, I don't know. I feel like we should throw this one out to everyone else. I'm not like a huge hacking, and... In, that was sort of the era where I stopped in the late 90s until like the sort of 2010s. Um... But I th- I'm trying to think if that was the one where he has the really bad crash. I don't know. We should we should throw this out to like fans who are like finish ass F1 fans mm-hmm. or something because nothing really pops into mind for me. I mean, I I would just like to
0: know. It's kind of like any F1 driver. How do you how do you get back in the car after a, a bad crash? Does it does it shake you at all, or is this right. just well, I. This is my job. I have to do this. Like, do you? does it even cross your mind?
1: I don't know. It was 95 where he had the really bad one, wasn't it? Adelaide, God. Yeah, I don't know. He's a, he's a prolific driver. You could ask him 101 questions. That's, that's really cool, though. That's such a great track to go to. I would adore to go to Monza. Also, speaking of small countries, why is it that we see so many Finnish
0: drivers do so well in Formula One?
1: I think it's because their driving test is ridiculous. Like, they all... They all do um, skid ra- skid tests on ice and all mm. that sort of stuff. Um, they do it really young as well, uh, like 16, 17 years old. Most most are doing it and really learning how to like deal with cars that are going out of control and stuff. Um, they're really prolific in rally, actually, probably even more so than F one. Right. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, that'd be a good. That would. You're right. That'd be a good question to ask.
0: Cool. Yeah. So um, yeah, anyone with uh, with questions to ask Mika, write in. ShiftF1.com slash emails.
1: God, have a good time. That's gonna be a blast.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I also think Micah Hakkinen just seems like a cool dude. Yeah. He he's he's got the the he's definitely got the finish thing going on, but he seems, I don't know, more approachable than maybe Kimi Raikkonen is.
1: Yeah, I think like most most house pets are more approachable than Kimi <laughs> Raikkonen is.
0: <laughs> Next email comes in from Dolph. Loved you when you're in Russell Soldier uh he asks can you explain gets that all the fucking i know yeah real original true (laughs) you gotta do it though it's so good yeah uh can you explain tire strategy in qualifying it seems super important but despite watching several sessions of f1 seasons of f1 i don't think i've ever heard a complete breakdown as far as i've gathered working backwards from the end of qualifying q3 tires can be smoked setting the absolute best possible lap time and are immediately disposed of but Q2 tires must be conserved as they're also used for the race start. Some specific questions I'm left with. Do teams always use fresh? Let's go one at a time. Um, yeah. Do teams always use fresh tires at the beginning of each qualifying session? Is there a reason to start on worn tires?
1: I don't think they do. I think some of the higher teams are happy. Mm. That's a good point, actually. because so they don't you've, want got,
0: st- you've got 13 sets of tires to last you the whole weekend.
1: Yeah, but that includes very lengthy uh, practice stints.
0: Yes. Uh and much more
1: lengthy than the qualifying session.
0: Right. So it, it, it behooves you to save as many sets of tires as you can, but also well, to would- preserve some tires for qualifying sessions. He actually yeah. has a, a question here. In Canada, Ferrari ran super soft tires in Q1, whereas everyone else ran the faster
1: ultra softs. Why? Probably because they knew they didn't need to burn the match before they went into the next round of qualifying.
0: Right. I mean, they that car is fast enough that even on the harder tires, they can get into Q2.
1: Like, they so were confident really no reason enough to... to be able to take that risk. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, most of... like they They kind of know how many sets of tires they need for the race. They have extra ones just in case of punctures and stuff, but most of the time, they know that there's only going to be... You know, maximum, probably a two-stop race, maybe a three... Like, you'll rarely have situations where teams are running out of tires. Um, But it seems like most of them are used during the... Like, qualification is the most, like, high-risk part of it. And it's different for each team because some teams are only happy enough to get into Q2. And then other teams are definitely fighting for position in Q3. So the ones that don't want to have their quality tires burnt out will use them less sparingly across different qualifying sessions where and that's why they allow the third one to be a fresh set that they don't necessarily that they don't use for the start of the race because they don't want them uh, easing off, I guess.
0: Yeah. In fact, that Q3 set can only be used in Q3, so they don't want anyone hot dogging it. Yeah. Like they, they want people to go all out in Q3 like this. This set of tires is fresh and you can't do anything else with it. It's just for Q3.
1: And that was a, rel- was that three years ago? Do you remember when that came in? Uh, yeah, sounds about right. Around then, yeah. And a lot of that was to ensure more competitiveness in qualifying. qualifying, because what you had in Q3 was a lot of drivers not going out at all, basically. Because... Right, they would
0: get into Q3 yeah. and know that they probably couldn't compete, so they just sat on their fresh tires and yeah. started the race with them.
1: So it's almost like a freebie for them, essentially. Like if, you know, Alonso gets in the top ten, he knows he's probably looked in and he's not gonna necessarily or not looked in, but like he's not gonna get any higher than ten, so he'll just sit sit on his uh, on those sets. But what was happening the season before they brought this in was like like three or four or five drivers weren't going out, which was just like not not fun. Right.
0: Uh and also we should mention that we were kind of joking at the top with people throwing a bone to the medium tire, but they are mandated um, Pirelli nominates two mandatory sets for each car uh, for the race, which can be of different compounds. Mm. Um, so, you've you've got those two, and then the Q3 set, which is always the softest, and then teams are free to choose the remaining ten sets. So, I imagine that um, the mediums are one of those mandatory sets. Right. Uh, in addition... The, the teams also get four sets of intermediate tires and three sets of wet tires. Mm. Uh, yeah, he Just also asks, Dolph does, uh, can or do teams swap tires in the middle of a qualifying session, i.e. can you run two sets of tires in Q1? During qualifying for Canada, the announcers implied that each team had six sets of tires for qualifying, but it wasn't cl- clear whether that was per car or not. Uh, if they are allowed to do so, do teams have time to swap tires when they're required and they're also required to pull into the garage during qualifying rather than use the pit lane.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm like 99% sure that they they meant per car not per team. And also, yes, you are. I'm like it's one of a situation. I can't remember a situation where it's happened or, or hasn't allowed to be happened, but I'm like 99% sure that yeah, you're allowed to swap tires during qualifying. I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, how does tire strategy work with a wet qualifying and a dry race or vice versa? Surely you don't have to qualify in wet tires in Q2 if Q2 is dry and race day is expected to be wet.
1: Yeah, they throw that out if, if there's a wet, wet weather conditions on qualifying. That almost happened actually at the last race, didn't it? Because they had that wet period. That that's right, was yeah. Q that was Q1, I think. Yes. And and and, then and then it Alonso dried up. blistered it. <laughs> yeah, and then it dried up. But yeah, the, the, the yeah, like You really don't want to be driving weather tires in on a dry track. It's like not, it's dangerous. Um, So yeah, they wouldn't. uh, It's not as dangerous as the opposite, but it's still pretty dangerous. Um, They get caught up really quickly. Um, If there's not, it's because the temperature uh, with the with the wet makes a massive difference for the the way in which they deform. Um, Yeah, so they don't force them to do that. That gets thrown out either way. That gets thrown out. If, If it's raining on race day, then they obviously get rid of that rule for the wet race tires and the same for uh, qualification.
0: Excellent. Hope that clears some
1: things up there, Mm. Dolph. Uh, It's like this weird ever-evolving thing that also doesn't apply ubiquitously to all teams. Like everyone's kind of racing their own race during qualifying as well. Yeah. Um, But yeah, hopefully that's a little bit clearer. It's, yeah, you just got to keep your eyes on it. And
0: finally. Finally. Anthony writes in with a long email, but it's a good one. Hey, guys, I'm guessing you'll get at least a few emails on the subject, but I thought I'd throw in my two cents anyway. If you want to sound like a convincing Australian, (laughs) the best cheat sheet I can offer is this. We absolutely love to contract words and put an A, I, E, Y, O, or some other vowel sound on the end whenever humanly possible. Okay. Doing a donut in your car is thus chucking a doughy. (laughs) Okay. similarly. Making a U-turn would be chucking a yui. Chucking, okay, yeah. We have yuis here. Is it always chuck? We don't chuck them though. Okay. McDonald's is Macca's. Can, can I can I guess some of these? Okay, yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, a cookie. Oh, that's the fucking throwing a curveball right away. Uh, or
0: oh, as the... we would call it in the Queen's English, a biscuit. A bit. Okay. A bit. A biscy. A bicky. Oh, yeah. So I I call them Bickies in Ireland. Okay. I went on yeah. a backpacking trip once and we called our cookies Bickies. Bickies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a liquor store, or as we would properly call it, a bottle shop. A bottle shop. Oh, that's so good. So I, and then they have a, a different abbreviation for bottle shop, which I actually knew from watching Supercars.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. What is it? Bottle O. A bottle O. Yep. Going down to out. Brisbane. Grab,
0: grab some tinnies at the Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now you're getting it. Yeah. Brisbane, the capital of Queensland, is Briz- Brizzy. Brizzy. Breakfast.
1: Barlow down in Brizzy. Breakfast, Danny. Grab some titties. Breakfast. Brekkie. Exactly. Uh, that's fuck. That's what I call a grown up too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh, barbecue is a Barbie, but I suspect everyone knows that one. Thanks, Paul Hogan. Throw a shrimp on that. Uh, a cigarette siggy there you go taking a Dietrich. sick
1: day <laughs> taking a sick day yeah wait is that what they call a cigarette no or, that's or a thing was okay yeah. Yeah. taking, a, taking sick a sick day is day? To, to chuck a sicky yes chuck yeah sicky sicky and sickie we'd also say in ireland this is this is an insight into australia that i didn't know about <laughs> uh, a beer is not only a tinny but also a coldie
0: as in oh, the I cold like one you would crack with the boys i like that the lovely town of Fremantle, Western Australia, is Frio. Frio,
1: name is Frio,
0: Frio de Janeiro, <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about this one. The gentlemen who collect your garbage are Garbos. <laughs> Garbos, isn't there Pokemon called that? <laughs> Probably. No, Garbdor. That's, wait, no, it's oh, it's like tr- Trubbish.
1: That's trubbish. what it is. I think Trubbish is the is the the small one, and Garbdor is the. <laughs> evolution of it <laughs> and then now we know the pokemon for australia is what was it garbo 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 yeah and so on as i saw, so I saw it drinking some tinnies,
0: <laughs> and so on forever some of these That's even good. have regional variations we also have a solid rhyming slang game which we stole from the cockneys of london and obviously perfected probably the most pertinent example for one half of your podcast is seppo which is slang for americans Yank equals septic tank equals Sepo. I don't know how I feel about
1: that one. That's great. I like that one.
0: (laughs) I I don't believe we have one for Irish people, but the English are fondly and sometimes not so fondly, depending on how we're doing in the cricket. Known as palms, Palms, according to some etymologist, immigrant equals pomegranate equals palm or palmy.
1: Yeah, I've heard of palms before.
0: Uh, although others arms. hold that it could actually mean prisoner of his
1: or her majesty. Majesty, yeah. That was the, that was the way it was always described to Irish people, at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I wonder why there's not an Irish one, considering, like, how many Irish people both lived in Australia, you know, when it was originally sort of taken over by white Europeans. Um, and also, how many go out there now? Like, half of my... I'm, like, the lost generation of Irish people who were, like, all were leaving because there was no work back in when the when the the crash happened back home i actually left right before it happened but like i have loads of friends like all my tradesmen friends carpenters plumbers any sort of like trader uh, lives in australia now like they went out for two years just to get work while there was nothing going on back home and then like never left wow so i'm so like just loads of irish there probably to the chagrin of lots of australians there's like so many irish <laughs> people there um but yeah, so I, w- I wonder why there isn't. I wonder if there is, but he's just being too kind. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Palm,
0: i.e. the one stuck back on the cold, wet British Isles where while we all sit around on beaches and have
1: a Barbie <laughs> while cracking a coldie. <laughs> I love that. I love that like, you know, America doesn't have that with the English. They don't have like this, you know, it's basically like your country except the weather's way better. What the fuck are you doing over there? You know, <laughs> like it's You're right. Austria- I love that relationship between the, the Australians and English because they're, they're just like their cousins who live in like a sunnier part of the country or something. Right.
0: Uh, the only thing I'd suggest you avoid is saying g'day in a bad approximation of our accent or right. at least
1: give it a few beers before you try it on. That sounds like some top of the morning to you bullshit. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. G'day. What's the, yeah. what's the American equivalent?
1: Howdy. Howdy, yep, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So have you ever heard of Neighbours? Not like the concept, the TV show.
0: The TV show? No. Yeah.
1: Or Home and Away. Nope. So Home and Away and Neighbours would have been like two serialized soap operas that would have been shown like in the early afternoon in Ireland and England. Uh, um, uh, there's lots of these back home it's kind of like your days of our lives and stuff like that Okay, um, and like England's full of them like EastEnders and Carnation Street and Fair, all these other Ireland has one called Fair City but my, like my sister used to watch both Neighbours and Home and Away every single day so like it was the only TV in our house that wasn't in the sitting room and she was only allowed to have it because she was such a brilliant student. So me and my brother weren't allowed to uh, have TVs cause we were fucking dumbasses. So I go into my sister's room and watch home and away and stuff all the time and neighbors. So like in a weird way, I have this like insight into like this fake version of Australia that then like, you know, Kylie Minogue spun off from home and away. I think it was, or maybe it was neighbors. Um, all of these like famous Australian people. Um, so, I kind of, like, miss that. I bet it's, like, totally not all like what living in Australia is like, but <laughs> it looks great. He says, uh, love the podcast, keep up the great
0: work, and I hope one day both of your adventures see you visiting our wonderful country. I'd love that. That's I've never been Anthony in Brizzy, Australia. Thanks, Anthony. I've never yeah, been there
1: I'd, either. I would I would yeah. love to go.
0: I'd love to, yeah. It's winter
1: now, though. It's so closer to here than it is the other way. Ireland is like, it's like a... My my friend Dennis went there a while back. I think it was like a 32 hour journey. Oh my God. Or something. How how
0: is that possible?
1: You got to like stop off in like Indonesia for six hours or something like this. Yeah, it's crazy. Because it's like so far south as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's far for us too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is actually. It is. I think you can get, yeah, you have to be able to get a direct flight. (laughs) That's stopping off in French Polynesia on the way. Tahiti.
0: (laughs) That's for females. That's it. Again, you can hit us, hit us up at f1.cool slash emails. We are also on Twitter. Follow at Shift F1 Podcast for show updates and any fun F1 stuff. We run a cross. I am at Drew Scanlon. I'm at Daniel Dwarf. Shout outs this week to Silent Zero, a.k.a. Silent Zero, <laughs> who links us. Oh,
1: it's their given name. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh,
0: a, a Facebook post on Roman Grosjean's Facebook page. Big uh, news. He and his wife have started a joint project. In a few weeks, we'll share with you our common passion in cooking with a book, available soon. Oh my God.
1: Oh, th- This is literally what you were talking about at the start of the podcast. It is! It oh all comes God. back around.
0: Full circle. What's it called? I don't know. I, the, he, uh, the, the post is just, we need your help to choose the photo for the book's cover. Vote for oh your God. favorite by liking it. Oh my God. Look yeah. at these
1: pictures. Yeah. This is a Oh, look at this. Two buddies on a car in the back of a car. It's really good. Doesn't it's not enough cooking. They need to have like, there needs to be some funny. It's like a one car, but it's also like a ladle like graphic. <laughs> yes, of some description. Did, oh my god. Oh man. Can you name? Can you think of any vegetable or fruit that ends in on? <laughs> or like, because we could we could be like blah blah blah, on with Roman Grosjean.
0: Oh man, yeah. Hmm. Like like. Turn the stove on. Oh my
1: god, that's it. Oh my god, that's <laughs> Drew Scanlon. Fucking nothing but net. That was for turn the stove on. It's Roman Gro- Grosjean. With Roman Grosjean, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, if he doesn't do it for the book, we got a TV show in the making. Start a Patreon. <laughs> let's do this on Patreon. <laughs> Oh, my Jean turns the stove on yeah, right. you could do like there I'm sure there are a lot of
0: visual puns also with food and driving. did you ever totally, watch right. Dexter?
1: Yes, they do a lot of that on in the intro right? yeah, the
0: intro is is all like murder illusions with him <laughs> making right. breakfast. I love it. It's great
1: totally yeah, it's like it's like you didn't see it, but you thought you saw it right kind of like like uh, like a steering wheel on a pot or something or a, yeah, yeah there's like there's there's a bunch of that stuff like, like a
0: yeah spatula and a
1: gear shifter a to- yeah 100 percent. And like pouring the the you know the fuel the gas is a gas leak and it's like you oh a bit of oil there oil mm-hmm. and oil right call That's us grosjean That's fire turning on like a bit of a like back kick out of the exhaust oh, yeah. oh my gosh so many this options. is this is the end game this is it <laughs> Video production, Formula One. Mm-hmm. This is where we go. We need to just get Roman on, on board. We need to get Roman on board. Maybe let's wait till he's retired. Ooh, yeah. Good call. He's got nothing better to do but just turn that stove on with Roman equation.
0: Scion <laughs> uh, Roberts, a.k.a. Bobby Gondo, which Ooh. is a great handle, uh, and Nathan from Cincinnati, Ohio, sent us uh, this, one of the many Grill the Grid segments on YouTube where they ask the uh, F1 drivers various questions to see if they can answer them um, and <laughs> the link he sent was queued up to a question asked to Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas and it shows uh, like a a podium celebration with a driver blanked out and it's it says who is this driver right and Hamilton's looking at it and he goes it's not Maldonado is it oh my and God. it's totally oh. that one from when he won in Spain when and he, he just, just kind of laughs shoulders? yeah oh that's crazy i just i, I love that the mere mention of maldonado just causes people to laugh it's a laugh right? so I, I will link uh, that one as well
1: the torpedo That's the tor- original torpedo <laughs> yes indeed
0: uh golden greg Miron. myron My- Miron. amazing name uh aka lone wolf g-a-m uh sends us this i think it's the andretti autosport official twitter account um tweeted about uh, a new sponsorship for one of their cars and he says greg says uh find the journey puns this new indy lights car has (laughs) gotten a new sponsor (laughs) and it's the band journey i didn't even know the band bands sponsored race cars but anyway their tweet says we are excited to announce that flying ryan norman uh has faithfully accepted a new sponsor with open arms in indy lights don't
1: stop believing.
0: Yep. There's more though.
1: Like, <laughs> we we can workshop this one too, Danny. Okay. What else? Okay. Well, go, name some Journey Journey uh, songs. We got Faithfully, Open
0: Arms. I mean, Wheel in the Sky. Like it's right there.
1: Yeah, that's easy.
0: Oh, oh, um, it's Indie Lights. Only the young can race in Indy Lights because it's a feeder series. Right. Anyway, so anyway you, grab any that way you want in it. The sky.
1: Uh-huh. Because when you love a woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, the bonus edition track, Danny. Okay, sorry. Never walk away from uh, that f- What do f- you
0: I don't even know that song.
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm going deep. <laughs> you are. This is, these are B sides. Um what else we got.
0: Girl can't so, help it, but love this new sponsor. Okay. That, yeah. Sure. When the lights go down, on the lights that go yeah, out yeah, when th- the race
1: starts, and you go your separate ways. Uh huh.
0: To the first corner.
1: Only the young can grab that wheel in the sky.
0: Just ask the lonely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. <laughs> and then, and then they get overtaken by the 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 the. Toto car, which is saying, I'll see you in Africa. (laughs) Hold the line. And then the queen car. Oh, the Uh queen car. The queen car would be amazing. You could. There's like no shortage, I'm sure. Like, don't stop me now. Oh, yeah. Uh, That that entire. Just put that entire song on. (laughs) It's a kind of magic when. (laughs) <laughs> no, I I've, I've, I've walked into that one without an exit and now I'm stuck <laughs> those f- look at these cars they're like fat-bottomed girls <laughs> are people still listening to this podcast? <laughs> if you were fried chicken fried chicken
0: if you were a Formula 3 Asia car in the carburetor heat of the moment nice I need to stop. We have to stop yeah. this podcast. As always. It's, it's over. <laughs> you can find our show notes on f1.cool along with how to subscribe via RSS, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are sold. Until next time, I am Drew Scanlan. He is Danny I'm, O'Dwyer. And that's it. If you want to support us more, both on Patreon. Me at patreon.com slash clothmapdanny at patreon.com slash Danny O'Dwyer. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.